Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Hello, everybody. All right, we're talking about a heart of forgiveness. And I'll tell you, you know, forgiveness is a really difficult thing, but here's the thing to understand about it. When people forgive, what they have to do is they have to decide to focus on the intention. And what that means is, is that we ask, what made you decide to do that? Or how did you arrive at this decision? Because instead of attacking the bad thing that we can't do anything about, what we really need to do is understand how the person got there. That's where forgiveness is found. Now, if you ask you ask a person, why did you do this? What you're doing is you're basically saying, I already have an answer inside me and it's not good. And I'm asking you a why question just to see if you have some excuse so I can focus on the negative thing you've already done. There's no forgiveness in a why. That's why when you ask a why question to children, they're going to lie to you because they don't know why they've done half the things that they've done. They don't know how to explain themselves. And so the why question is motive-based. It's a negative question. If you ever want to ask somebody questions, if you ask a why, you're probably going to get a warped or diplomatic answer. You know, if you think about forgiveness, it is the release of resentment or anger. Forgiveness means that I do not have to act on anger. I do not have to act on resentment because resentment and anger are a call to action. They are fight or flight. And so when a person creates anger and resentment and carries resentment, what they're basically doing is they're making everybody have to adapt to them through their anger. They are forcing people to make fight or flight decisions that they oftentimes regret simply to make room for that person's anger so that no bad thing happens. Because everyone knows that anger needs an answer. Without an answer, without resentment, getting the answer that it wants, the the resentment and the anger get farther down the road, and oftentimes anger will turn to rage. And these things do not help us. That's why forgiveness is such an important thing. And the biggest thing is you have to learn to understand that in sometimes in life, you learn how to take a an apology from somebody that never apologizes. So you you take an apology from from what you've never seen. You never heard from that person. But if you can accept an apology that you've never gotten, sometimes that's another way to get the power back in your life. Because a lack of forgiveness means everybody else has power but you that you're focused on. And that's a sad thing. You know, it, forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation, by the way. One doesn't have to return to the same relationship or accept the same harmful conditions from an offender. What we're really looking for is the offender to not only apologize, but take accountability to change 
or adapt or understand the impact that their decisions are having on your life and to actually understand and make room for that. That's what we're really looking for. But we're in a day in a day and age where people have no accountability whatsoever. People being accountable is just not in the cards. Fairness is what everybody wants and fairness is a first world problem. So we're not going to get fair in this life and unfortunately we have a hard time not forgiving people for not giving us fair in this life once again it's a first world problem the world's not constructed on fairness but that's what people search for and that creates a problem with forgiveness you know forgiveness is vitally important for mental health and and it and for those who've been victimized and it propels people forward rather than keeping them emotionally engaged in the injustice or the trauma so forgiveness has been shown basically to elevate food, enhance optimism, guard against anger and stress and anxiety and depression. However, there's scenarios which forgiveness is not the best course, and that's okay too. Sometimes a victim of sexual abuse becomes more empowered when they give themselves permission not to forgive. So, you know, it, it 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 can be a powerful thing for you not to forgive the abuser, you know, and that can be healthy and it can be also unhealthy at some point in your life, you know, because if you develop a victim theme, like we talked in the last show, a victim theme, if we're going to live in victim themes, we're always going to be a victim and that's how the world will interact with us. So if you think about a good model um, it, 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 what would happen is there's a four-step process. And the first is to uncover your anger by exploring how you've avoided and addressed the emotion. And you have to understand, since anger and resentment are a call to action, we need to go underneath those emotions and identify what are the emotions that actually are triggering my anger. Is it resentment? Is it betrayal? Is it disrespect? Is it dismissal? Is it sad? Is it frustrating? Because you can talk about those emotions. Those emotions are not offensive, and those emotions do not take a call to action. Those don't fill the room up. They're simply a way of safely expressing what you're really feeling. And the people that learn to go underneath their anger to those emotions do a much better job of not offending the world as angry people do. Angry people make a mark everywhere they go. And what happens is as they fall deeper into anger, it changes their heart and their ability to love. And that is the sad part of it. Many relationships in this life get destroyed because a person chooses to do the easy thing, which is to live in anger and resentment rather than the right thing, which is to learn how to forgive. You know, cultivating forgiveness by developing compassion for someone, that's what you have to do. You have to have compassion that there's something in there that's motivating. There's something in there that that, that is driving this. It may have been abuse from a childhood that's never been solved. But we also have to reflect on whether the act was due to malicious intent or circumstances by the offender to hurt us or if you know what we want to do is release the harmful emotions you know if if they made us a, a, a mistake if they did something but they didn't purposely try to hurt us that's an important thing to understand and that's the crazy thing about people that have affairs 
is that the person receiving that information feels like they are the one that's been victimized, which they are, but they also take it on themselves that you did this to me when it's actually that person made a choice to do something stupid, which reads about their own integrity, their own personal ability to do what's right, their own relationship with God. And that is where the true retribution is going to come in. You know, how do I overcome this resentment stuff? You know, that's another question. It can sometimes linger for years. Even if we believe that we've moved on or forgotten about it, the release to release resentment, what we have to do is reflect on why the person may have committed the offense. Sit in the pain and then try to forgive the other person because the forgiveness can instill a sense of strength that overpowers bitterness. And that's an important thing. You know, how do you forgive someone who cheated on you? Well, the decision to forgive an affair is deeply personal. It's a key component for the partner who had the affair to be completely transparent and honest to a T all the way until healing has happened. And that means you have to answer the same question 5,000 different ways 5,000 times. That's what you have to do because you were dumb enough to go out and have an affair. You know, so so the you know, from that, the moment forward to rebuild trust in a relationship comes through that process of learning how to forgive your partner. You know, a, a, for instance, if we're going to just talk about one of the deepest scars, which is an affair, uh, the, the, the funny thing about an affair is that it is a symptom of a bigger problem within that person. It is the sense of entitlement. It is a sense of free will. That person is thinking of themselves much more in a godly position of their own life than a caring position for their own responsibilities. And in the end, you know, a lot of these folks that don't manage their integrity, don't consistently come back to do what's right, end up sitting in a nursing home by themselves, rotting away with nobody to, to uh, actually see them. You know, th there are acts that are unforgivable out there. You know, everyone has the right to decide whether or not they forgive another person. There are many examples of people who have forgiven others for, for horrendous crimes, such as shooting them, killing their child. You know, forgiveness ultimately instills peace and healing. So there's no action to sever uh, to sever for uh, forgiveness or for severe uh, uh, forgiveness. What forgiveness is for, it is to give you back peace and serenity. It's a gift back to you. And that's very, very important to understand. You know, forgiveness and reconciliation are distinct concepts. Forgiveness is internal, and the process does not hinge on the defender offering an apology or reconciling afterwards. You know, reconciliation can happen and does happen with a lot of people. But forgiving another person is one thing in you, for you, a gift for you. But what happens when we commit the offense ourselves? It's important to take the responsibility for the mistakes. But, you know, it's very important to, to, to instead of live in guilt and shame, those are not productive things. It's how am I going to change? How am I going to prevent this from happening again? What is this saying about me? Is this really what my life is about? Is this really what I want my life to be spoken for? That's not a good thing. You know, 
beginning to acknowledge that you're at fault and take responsibility for the hurt you caused is where you start in the land of forgiveness. Reflect on why the event occurred, identify how to avoid a similar offense in the future, and communicate to the people affected by that. And then forgive yourself by focusing on the thought, saying it aloud, writing it down. Apologize to the person you wronged and Try to assist them and comfort them with the pain that you've caused them. You need to stand in that 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 place. You don't need to tell them yes, but yes, but like every narcissist does. You know, you need to back up and go. I screwed this. I mess you up. This is terrible. I need. I I can't believe how much pain you're in. I'm so sorry. I I feel for you. Stand in the pain. Stand in it if you caused it. Mistakes often become attached to underlying beliefs also about ourselves, such as I always say the wrong things. I'll, I'll never be able to cover my bills. Self-forgiveness can require beliefs to be identified and addressed first. But the pitfall in and, and others make is self-forgiveness is very challenging, you know, because it forms a narrative that you create about yourself. I'm never right. I'm always, I'll never... I'll never uh, satisfy these people. I'm always making mistakes. These are narratives. And you collect evidence on narratives. It's called bias research to basically label yourself or other people those narratives because we have the propensity to think that whatever we think is right. And that's our ego reinforcing how stupid we are by the negative narrative we create about ourselves. So we have to also wonder about rumination and self-doubting. You know, too much time on your hand is our worst enemy. But if you've done everything you do, you can to fix a mistake, but to continue to beat yourself up, you know, call distancing. Call it, There's a term called self-distancing. And self-distancing is switching your internal dialogue from the first person to the third person. Consider how an outsider would see the situation with you. Start observing yourself and, and understanding that, okay, well, maybe you were just trying to, maybe that person was just trying to do this. Maybe that person was trying to do that. Try to do a little bit of outside objectivity if you're trying to forgive yourself. That's a very important thing. And this can cultivate self-compassion and silence that inner critic that you operate by because you still have to be resilient. You've got to move on. You've got to tap into your will and do what's right. That's the way to heaven. If you want to do God, if you want to do Christ, if you want to live in that mode, what you have to understand is I need to do what's right for us, for me, and I need to have compassion for other people's pain. And we're not going to do that perfectly. We never do. We never do. We do it we, every day. We violate those things. But that's the path that's going to get you down to a better life. You know, harboring anger and resentment leads to the body to release a lot of stress hormones like cortisol, adrenaline. You know, whenever the person comes to mind, a steady stream of those chemicals can lead to stress and anxiety as well as dampen the creativity and the problem solving. So if we're going to do a lot of anticipating of what's going to happen with this person and give them so much power that we suffer through the anticipation of this person in our life that we're having trouble forgiving, you're giving that person a lot of leeway to torture you even more. 
you know, the bottom line is you need to decide what you're going to do with that person in your life. Are you going to reconcile or are you going to move on? It all depends on what you can do and what you can't do. That's called boundaries. You know, there's also forgiveness offers a lot of positive psychological uh, developments, such as reducing unhealthy anger and not having to fall on anger, frustration maybe, and it also gives you happiness, feelings of happiness. It gives you feelings of hopefulness. It gives you feelings of being resilient. It also creates a sense of optimism that I can get through hard things. And so that's an important part of life. You know, personal benefits like modeling forgiveness for others may lead to intergenerational and even societal healing, which can be a powerful thing. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back and talk more about forgiveness. So come back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Nobody plans to get divorced. It's bad manners to even suggest it. But here in the United States, we know that 50 to 60 percent of marriages end, and the percentage is even higher for second and third marriages. Host Brooke Benson, a certified divorce lending professional, hears from divorcing clients all the time. I don't care. Just make it end. When in reality, there should be a plan for splitting up, especially when children are involved. Plan for Divorce provides practical, sensible information for anyone thinking of ending a personal relationship, legal marriage or not. Couples of the same sex or the opposite sex can hear suggestions from experienced professionals, not from the neighbors, to lay the groundwork for best outcomes. Take charge of the process. Protect your kids, your assets, and your sanity. Start writing your next chapter. Plan for Divorce, your next chapter, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you often find yourself at odds with coworkers, friends, or family? Do you have a short fuse and easily end up in arguments? Frustrated with your inability to have a healthy dialogue with anyone? Maybe it's time for a shift in your communication style. Maybe it's time to stop telling and start listening. And join this podcast where you'll discover how to elevate your conversation and navigate the tensions in those difficult relationships. Stop telling and start listening with David Cook. Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. 
or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the how do we have a heart of forgiveness? You know, as people forget, forgiveness is a necessary part of the relationships at times. At least if you want to have relationships in your life, you better be good at forgiveness. If you're going to have children, you better be really good at forgiveness. And at times, this can be hard. And it's really necessary to forgive, to move on as an individual in a relationship. And there's actually types of forgiveness. You know, uh, refusing to forgive is cheap forgiveness. Acceptance, genuine forgiveness. See, genuine forgiveness is real and healing. Going, I'm sorry, or I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. You know, that that's nice, but that's not accountability. There has to be accountability for greater forgiveness. You know, there's also these passive-aggressive people which start to use uh, 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 satire as a way to uh, pick people apart. And I was just trying to be funny. I was just, it was just a joke. You didn't have to take it that way. You know, those kind of people are also hard to forgive because they're just flat mean. They're critical. They put themselves in a judgy, uh, godlike position. If they want to be sarcastic, they need to be sarcastic about themselves. You know, so there's also the self-sacrificer. They put others first, valuing the needs of others over their own. They don't fill their tank, but they'll fill everybody else's tank and stay on empty. You know, and that's sad, but those people have a hard time forgiving themselves too. And they do it out of habit rather than with, with content or circumstance in mind. They could care less. They just need approval. And that's a sad thing, but a lot of people go through life and give, 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 and never get, get, get because they're codependent and they need people to validate them all the time. And here's the cost of refusing to forgive. You know, when deliberately hurt, refusing to forgive may seem the most self-affirming way to demonstrate that my feelings matter. And with forgiveness seeming too generous, this usually comes in two forms. It comes in aggression because we take action measures to, to voice and to demonstrate hurt or pain by putting the offender through significant struggle to validate your own feelings of suffering, which means you're just as bad as they are. Also, detachment, turning your back on the one who hurts you, or both methods are meant to teach a lesson. Like I said, anger and resentment, rage, all of those nasty emotions are a call to action, and you will take action, and it won't be constructive, believe me. It can be used to be constructive. Sometimes anger can be a good motivator, but the bottom line is the real emotion that might be driving it might be jealousy or might be wanting fairness or whatever those things might be. But we have to understand that, that forgiveness is how we need to live life. If you really want to understand forgiveness... Buddha was a good example. Christ was a great example. He was a soul living a human life. His whole meaning of his life had to do with having compassion for people's pain. He sought people's pain. He didn't care about their life position. He didn't care about their finances. He didn't care about their comfort. What he cared about was their pain. And that's what we owe each other. That is the international English language. That is the language of all people that gets us all to understand who we are together. People that do that 
can go to any country and still have a relationship, even if they don't speak the language. Also, acceptance is a gutsy thing. And people often think forgiveness is a weak term, giving people permission to continue to hurt you. No, it is a gutsy thing. It's a life-affirming response to a violation when the person who hurt you is unavailable or unrepentant. We accept an apology they'll never give because we know there's going to be a consequence down the road for their behavior because you're not the only one they've done this to. So, you know, what you want to do to get to acceptance is honor the full range of your emotions. That means you acknowledge your emotions. You give up the need for revenge, but seek resolution. Stop obsessing and re-engage back in life. Move on. Don't make events dictate the, the, your life. Just because a bad event happens doesn't mean you can't move on. You can move on. Maybe you learn something from it. Why don't you make it a testimony of how you dealt with somebody who never gave you an apology? Why don't you make that a way of teaching other people how to do it? You know, also, you want to protect yourself from further hurt. So take the early warning that maybe this person can't be trusted. You know, frame offensive behaviors in terms of their personal struggles and who they personally are instead of mom and dad or sister or brother or cousin or best friend. Look at them as the person they are and understand that we are all flawed. Just because we label each other something doesn't mean we carry that label through every part of our life. It doesn't happen. You also have to look honestly at your own contribution. What did I do? What did I do? And take accountability for that because you may have been a part of the problem. Also, you want to challenge your own false assumptions and false assumptions you're hearing from other people. And when you do that, you actually get different perspectives, which can be really important to get us down to forgiveness. You also want to separate the offender from their offense. Look at the source. Understand that that source is human. Understand that that source may have had a bad day, may have done something awful, may have been uh, lonely, may have been deprived, may have been hungry. Whatever it is, we have to understand that there, there is more to that source than just demonology. Also, you want to carefully decide the type of relationship you want going forward, if you want. You know, toxic people are not good for your life. If you're a smart person, you go to a room where people are smarter than you. If you're an emotionally equipped person, go to a room where people are more equipped than you are so you can learn. That's how we evolve. You know, forgive yourself for your own feelings. If you have negative feelings, it's okay. It's okay to have negative feelings, but don't sit at them until you get to anger and resentment. And if you do that, you're damaging yourself. Also, genuine forgiveness. It's, under, it's really important and essential to understand what that looks like. You know, what that really looks like is active participation from both the hurt party and the offender. And so there's major ingredients to this. It is a transaction. It's not granted unilaterally, but it is shared between two people who show compassion for what has happened for each other and how it has affected them. There's also understand that genuine forgiveness is conditional. It must be earned, meaning that there's a price that the offender is willing to pay. And there's also requires a transfer of vigilance. Uh, vigilance, uh, a shift of preoccupation that takes place where the offender demonstrates that they are fully conscious of their wrongdoing, intend to never repeat it, and the person that's hurt 
becomes less preoccupied with the offense and begins to let it go. You know, but the basic understanding of getting forgiveness back in your life, getting back to trust, is very important to understand. I need you to have faith in me that I've learned from this. I need you to have faith in me to understand that I don't ever want to do this again. If you're never going to get them to get to trust on your own, they're going to get to trust whenever they get to trust. But if you can ask them, if you violated somebody for their faith, you ask them, excuse me, for, for what they need and you violated them and they're having to forgive you, you have to ask them for faith in you. They will get to trust when they get to trust. But that's the way, that's the bridge that'll get you back to trust, is faith. Now, if you're not faithful and don't really comply with what you've asked for, it's their right to never trust you again. And that's the bottom line. You know, uh, none of these things that I've talked about are right or wrong. They're just human. And we want to live our best life. You know, psychology, in that realm, forgiveness is a loaded word. It's been tossed around in self-help circles for years, but little has been made of what the science behind forgiveness can teach us about our own lives. You know, forgiveness is not a few things. Much of the self-help world has suggested that forgiveness does not mean you become best friends with the person who wronged you. Forgiveness is not saying what happened was okay. Forgiveness is not saying you accept the person who wronged you. Instead, forgiveness is choosing to accept what happened as it happened rather than what could or should have happened. You know, forgiveness can mean that you let go. It can mean that you love from a distance. Forgiveness can mean you step into your present rather than anchoring in the past. And it's also a cornerstone understanding forgiveness of any relationship, romantic or otherwise. We assume people see life the way we see life. However, there are many perceptions that are that, that people have in this world. Everybody has their own perceptions of the truth. And we also have to acknowledge their perceptions. And that is where we start conflict, is at their perceptions. Not trying to tell them what our perception is and you have to buy my perception. I have to be right. No, it's not that. It's not that at all. It's understanding how you're seen how it's been observed, how you've been judged, and understand where that came from and have compassion for that without trying to go but, 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 like every narcissist does. You know, it's not a but, it's okay, I get it. And you start there. That's how we work it. You know, we can intellectualize what forgiveness is as long as we want, but it's a process that takes time for a lot of people. And when betrayal and communication inhibit our ability to forgive, it's okay to feel those feelings. Shock and anger often comes before forgiveness. But we must first deal with the hurt feelings before moving to forgiveness because we don't want to be making decisions when we're reacting. We want to make decisions when we're ready to respond. And that's where forgiveness is had. That's where forgiveness is cultivated, in the response rather than the reaction. We have to weigh through the reaction, allow our feelings to be felt, and then move ourselves into the response. That's where we intellect, that's where we get back to what forgiveness can offer us. But it's really a process, and we have to accept that. We also have to accept that in this life, we choose who to suffer for. That's the deepest part of love, is feeling other people's pain, identifying their pain, but you can't solve their pain. You're not going to fix it. 
you're not going to do anything. You just need to stand with it and be, have comfort for it and not try to contribute to it. That's the deepest part of love. When we can do that, we also have grounds to forgive that person because we have given them and they have given us the deeper part of love. If we know we have that ability to do that in each other and we consistently do that throughout the course of our relationship, things are going to get better. Things will get better and forgiveness will be a part of a relationship. If everything is going to be transactional, okay, I do this with the kids, we go to this game, we do this, we do that, we go have dinner at this time, we go to this place, we go to this place on vacation. All this transactional stuff is coping. It's not living. And people that live understand what it is to suffer for another person. Some people can not forgive at the drop of a dime, but while others need their time, you know, so the act of forgiving is one of realizing that holding on to anger and resentment no longer carries the same weight in us. Instead of seeing something as good or bad, we begin to see things with full acceptance as they are. That's called a preference. I prefer this happened, but it didn't. I prefer that you said this to me. I prefer you talk to me like this. I prefer you speak to me with respect. You know, you can tell people what you prefer all day long. But if you tell people what you expect, that puts you in a godlike position and you're not God. Your job is to influence, not control. And so people that walk through life with expectations that never get met because sometimes people just rebel against the fact that you have an expectation, you arrogant person. And so what happens is people that have expectations find themselves legitimately and deeply depressed all the time we have to lighten that up and go back to preference you know if there's a variety of, of definitions of forgiveness also but you know what we want to have if we're going to land there is a few ingredients gaining a more balanced view of the offender and the event yes we do that and decrease the negative feelings towards the offender and potentially increase our compassion. And also we give up the right to punish the offender further or demand restitution because that resentment and anger will change your heart. That is self-damage. And you want to be really careful with how you go about that. You know, there's a lot of research out there that suggested that, you know, one roadblock people face with forgiveness is the idea of being seen as weak and saying that what the offender did is excusable. However, let's reevaluate that and really understand something. And in, in many ways, it actually takes more strength to forgive. Staying angry and bitter is a lot easier. So can you do what's right or do you do what's easy, which is to sit in anger and bitterness? Most of us are mediocre and lazy. The vast majority of our population is. And today, now that our voices have been taken by COVID and our government thinks it's more important than all of us, well, guess what? We don't have opinions. We're not respected anymore. We're not listened to. We're not cared about. Even our votes get taken. You know, the bottom line is we can sit in all that anger all day long, but we also have to go to understanding that there's only so much I can fix. You know, we can accommodate and get used to our angry feelings. It takes a lot more work to forgive. So to suggest that forgiveness equals weakness is actually false. Forgiveness is actually very powerful. And that's the place that we want to live in power, in our own power, in our own essence, with our own will, with our own intellect. 
and be smart enough and strong enough to understand that we're not the only opinion in this world. All right, let's take another break. And then we're going to come right back. And we're going to talk more about lessons of forgiveness. So come back. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Are you inspired by stories about personal empowerment, well-being, and the motivation to achieve more? Get ready for Next Steps Forward with Chris Meek. Each week, Chris will talk with experts and icons from different walks of life who personify energy, direction, excitement, and purpose as they take bold steps forward in pursuit of excellence and service to others. Tune in to Next Steps Forward, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to share success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Hear about personal growth, building a better business, inspirational life stories, and personal branding. You'll find it every day at voiceamericaempowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about how to have a heart of forgiveness. And the truth is that forgiveness is more powerful than you might think. Just like anything in life, there are costs to your choices. So staying angry and resentful and vengeful comes at a price. All these feelings can have a detrimental impact on your physical and emotional health as well as your relationships. So psychologically, when people reported higher levels of forgiveness, and this is in several studies, they also tend to report better health habits, decreased depression, anxiety, living, feeling alive, and their anger levels are improved. Even in betrayed couples, greater levels of forgiveness are associated with more satisfied relationships because we know that there's a lot of percent of time our relationship is good, that we are, our heads are, are in the right place, that we are doing the right things for each other. But there's times that we don't. And if we just keep hanging on to the don'ts, we're going to be a miserable bunch of people because we're not perfect. We are selfish. We do dumb things. And that's just the way it is. 
You know, we're not always operating within our spirit. We operate within our selfish desires many times. And so what we have to do is get back to the idea that we are capable and most of the time want to do what's right for us and do what's right in our own lives. You know, it, it, even it, it, if you look about uh, the, the forgiveness rating, people have a much higher and stronger parenting alliance when they forgive. And children's perceptions of parenting functioning comes from their ability to forgive. So, you know, physiologically, high reported levels of forgiveness are associated with white blood cell count being better. Um, you know, white blood cells are uh, an integral part of fighting off disease and infections. So you want that to happen. And together, the results highlight the importance of forgiveness, not for the other person, but for you. You benefit from it. Don't allow your mind and your body to go through another day feeling vengeful and angry. Call to action. Call to action. Have to do something with this feeling. But nothing ever, if I ever do anything with this feeling, it's going to be destructive. And then guilt and shame follow suit. And it starts to color me in as this angry, vengeful, resentful person. We're not built to live like that. We're built to be resilient. You've got to dig your heels down, learn from what happened, apologize, take accountability, be compassionate for who you've damaged, and move through it. You know, the next logical question is how do you begin the process? So the truth is that you've already started to by being on this show and listening. As you move through the process, you'll see that forgiveness can involve drawing boundaries for yourself, what I can do, what I can't do. And simply figuring out what the boundary is. The biggest aspect will invite, involve going through the impact of the betrayal had on your life, but also now making a decision what to do with it in your life. The decision is a commitment to yourself. And if you're not good at commitment and not good at decisions, you're not good at forgiveness. So, you know, if you're going to live life, you can do it as a try. That's fine. But that means everything you do has a back door that you'll creep out when things get uncomfortable. But life is best lived in a will. I will or won't. I will or won't be married. I will or won't be a father. I will or won't work for this company. I will or won't participate fully. You know, when you do a will, when you do a will, you're fully committed. That means even if you don't like it, you dig down deep into your will and you let that drive you because it's the right thing to do. Some people have integrity like that. Other people don't. Other people are wimpy and excuse themselves from just about everything they can. But the truth is their life is milk toast, and it's likely there's not a lot of memories that they're going to leave behind. They've wasted their time. Unfortunately, we don't have to be like that. Uh, fortunately, and unfortunately, a lot of people choose to live easy. You know, the, if you think about a war veteran, they may be traumatized in combat, but a person can be traumatized by someone they care about. And that happens more often. The person you live with can traumatize you completely. As a child, you're subjected to these nasty, angry people, which about 50% of our parents are breeding stock. So the bottom line is a lot of these kids get damaged by one or both parents because they don't know what the hell they're doing and have no compassion for anybody but themselves. In this narcissistic culture that we have today where everybody has to be right, everybody needs to be gaslighting and telling everybody else how crazy they are, what basically happens is we traumatize 
ourselves as a culture and the media loves it because they are the ones that are teaching us it. You know, the last key to all this is to understand that forgiveness is a process. Not everyone feels this enlightened state that you feel like they can forgive. It can take time. And the truth is that immediately forgiving someone isn't always the best idea. However, the forgiveness is for you. The forget is whatever you decide to do with it. Do you decide to re-engage in that relationship or not? That's really the question. And the truth is that immediately forgiving someone, not a good thing, always. So we don't want to deny ourselves the right and the opportunity to feel the feelings of hurt and betrayal. That's more important. When you are hurting because someone has betrayed you, you need to process those feelings before you can ever get to forgiveness. You know, we have to first acknowledge the hurt before we forgive the hurt. And hopefully the other party acknowledges what they've done and actually takes accountability for what they've done and actually makes changes as a responsible human being in their life to conduct themselves differently. You know, it, it baked in our culture is the notion that forgive and forget, but the idea in that order to forgive we need to forget the wrongs done to us. That's crap. You know, barring some form of serious neurological condition, it's highly unlikely that you'll ever be able to forget a serious wrong committed against you. But if your bar for achieving forgiveness is elimination of the memory, you're setting yourself up for chronic frustration, and even guilt, since it's simply not biologically or physiologically possible because that crap sits down in your subconscious mind and is repressed and eventually that teapot's going to heat up and it's going to boil and it's going to blow. So if you're going to just store it and deny it, you're going to find that you're going to have to reface it at a point in your life where it's not convenient and it certainly won't be pleasurable. You know, obviously, some amount of reflection and processing of the offense is likely helpful, but it's a mistake to assume that because your mind is drawn to a specific thought or memory that you should allow your attention to stay there. So if you choose to engage with or elaborate on these spontaneous memories of your offender or the offense, you will make it more likely that similar thoughts and memories arise in the future. So if you acknowledge them, but then choose to refocus your attention elsewhere, you will make it less likely that these memories will intrude on your future. Well, if you're going to go into denial, the truth is your subconscious mind still registers offenses that are similar to the one that you went through. So that is why processing is such an important part of forgiveness. You know, you can't control your memories, but you can control your attention. That's an important thing to understand. And also, forgiveness and anger, they don't mix very well. And it's normal to feel anger towards your offender. There are good evolutionary reasons for this related to the maintenance of social order, fairness, safety. You know, feeling angry also temporarily feels good because it's an ego boost. People that are egotistical love anger. They sit in it. They create it. They, they love anger to live in anger. Now, they'll never admit that. They'll never say that. But the fact is they live in anger because they're an angry person because their ego is so big and their soul is so small. You know, in the long run, unchecked anger leads to unhelpful amounts of mental elaboration over the wrongs done to you, which is a narrative 
which biased research will justify. You'll forget everything else that was good. You'll focus on that biased research because you have to be right, right, right. I am right. This is the way it is. You know, and unfortunately, our ego wants us to do that because it thinks it's protecting us. When you notice yourself feeling angry, you want to pause and understand, is this an emotion that I want to, do I really want to take action? Because if I'm going to be angry, I'm going to take action. Is that really where I want to live? Or do I want to just say I, I feel disrespected? Or I feel dismissed? Or I feel like you haven't heard me? Or I feel sad? Or I feel frustrated? Can't we just land there? Do we have to do this Broadway production of anger? You know, when you notice yourself feeling angry, you pause. You pause and you try to wait for the right feeling. Now, I'm telling you this ideally, but all of us know that it is very hard to do. God knows I've done bad things in my life where I certainly don't on a daily basis. Um, I go to anger and then understand I got to do I got to back off that thing. You know, many people who struggle through forgiveness have been given the advice that they need to accept what's happened and move on. But the problem is terms like acceptance is kind of fuzzy and it means that you are taking responsibility, but nobody else is. It's not acceptance, it's forgiveness. You know, many people here accept and assume that it implies endorsement, that you're somehow okay with what happened. But acceptance does not mean endorsement or justification. Many people who are victims of an injustice are further victimized by being manipulated into believing believing that they were somehow at fault for the bad thing that happened to them. It's like these people that are bound around these trans athlete thing. They think that it's so cool that a person, a boy can enter a girl's bathroom, that a boy can compete in a, in a girl's sport. Wow. You know, and if you have a different opinion, God forbid, have common sense. That's just a terrible thing. They think it's okay in the state of Washington that a kid can uh, have a trans uh, go to a safe house and start transitioning at 14 without their parents' permission. And if you confront them, they'll laugh in your face like you're stupid. That's amazing. But that's the way life is. Now, how do we find forgiveness in that when it's just pure evil? Well, it's hard to. It's hard to, but you have to because you can't control it. And so the bottom line is, if you're going to create a rebellion, you could do that. That'd be great if people started to actually stick up for their rights. Unfortunately, most people don't. We're a bunch of sheep. And we kowtow to these idiots that try to gaslight us into thinking that we're all crazy because we don't believe what their stupidity is. You know, many people have been wronged, assume that they must achieve reconciliation with the person who wronged them. This is especially common among people with a strong religious background. You know, I can't speak to anyone specific about their religious beliefs, but I, I do know that some people will weaponize their religion. Some people will, will weaponize their atheism. Some people will weaponize their politics. Some people weaponize their uh, uh, propaganda. Well, that's the way people are. They do that. Can you control it? No. Do they have their own perceptions? Yes. Can they blab that crap all over the world? Of course they will. Give them a mic. They'll blow it out everywhere. But the problem is, is that we can't always fix that. Now, the problem is also that we inside ourselves have to make peace with what we can and cannot do. And that is boundaries. You know, I've seen a whole lot of people are so focused on uh, 
or or uh, diagnosis obsessed like borderline personalities and and uh, 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 people that are, are narcissistic personalities, people are codependent personalities, people are antisocial personalities, people are so you know uh, 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 some kind of uh, social uh, person that doesn't like people. You know the bottom line is these labels are great, but they don't really offer a sense of forgiveness. We have to look below the label and say, where did that come from? Was that person neglected in their childhood? Were they treated like crap? Were they taught to be like a dog? Were they just given orders? Did they have no opinion? If they did, I have to understand that that's part of this problem too. It's not just the evil that they're dishing out. It's more about where they came from and never reconciling that and actually taking what they had to do to get through that horrible childhood and into integrating it into their personality non-objectively just doing it because that's what they had to do and eventually it becomes who they are rather than who they were born to be you know forgiveness begins with a single decision but it doesn't end there and it's important to understand that that when you enter that land you focus on intentions you and focus on the process leading to the bad choice, and that is going to help you get to forgiveness. Memories of your trauma will pop in your mind at time. Efforts at reconciliation will not always be reciprocated, but the decision is, where do I put this in my mind? Do I reference everything in my mind based on my trauma? Do I live like I'm still at war when I walk through Walmart? You know, is that really what you want to do? Not that walking through a war is not like walking through Walmart, because these days it is. Um, but unfortunately, uh, you know, the deal is, is that we have to understand that we don't operate in our trauma and we have to learn to forgive so that we can move on from trauma. Many people struggle with forgiveness because they confuse the fact, uh, uh, the, uh, the act of forgiveness as their expected emotional outcome. Specifically, most people who are struggling to forgive desperately want to feel better. They want peace of mind. They want less anger and hate. They want calm, equanimity, perhaps even want to feel real compassion or love towards their offender. You know, it, that's where we would like to be. That's where we'd like to be, but we have to accept our, our human components. And that's the hard part. All right. That's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I love hearing from you. You can do that on our webpage at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, Forgiveness is for those who have a good heart and a terrible memory. <laughs> also, to, to err is human. To forgive is divine. And, it, and forgiveness can actually be your best revenge. And sometimes you have to accept an apology when you never get it. And I said that earlier in the show. It's so important. And to heal a wound, stop touching it. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.